Hello and welcome to Rike's Expat Podcast. This is podcast number 013 and today we're going to talk about getting involved with helping other people while you're living overseas. It's highly likely that when you come in from a western or just a well-developed country and you move to the Philippines, you're going to encounter a let's just say a lower standard of living that the people are used to just simply because the Philippines still has some things to work on when it comes to developing the economy and and employment and such. And as a result, you may or may not have been exposed in your other travels or just in your everyday Western life, you may not have been exposed to as much poverty as you're going to be exposed to in the Philippines. And unless you're living in uptown Makati or uh, Boracay or something like that, and even then, anywhere in the Philippines, anywhere else, you're pretty much going to run into a variety of people on different levels who are not doing so well financially, and there's a, a response uh, from those of us who feel that we are a bit better off. We, by comparison, we have and can afford luxuries that many Filipinos cannot. Now, in the Philippines, there are wealthy people. There are industrious uh, people who own corporations and such. There are kind of a smaller middle class. It's not as big as it is in, in other more developed countries. But then there's this sudden uh, contrast to a large part of the population, which is pretty much living week to week and, in many cases, day to day. They literally are going out and hustling up whatever work they can to make it uh, just through the day, to get rice on the table, and it's it's uh, something that, that a lot of people really have not had any first-person exposure to. Now, myself, living in Southern California, I used to hop over the border every once in a while. In fact, for about 10 years I did that because my wife at the time was born and raised in Mexico. So we were in Mexico a lot, actually, for those 10, 12 years. And and so I, I already had something of a primer, what it was like to see a lot of poverty and shanty towns and... You know, just people really struggling to get by. But I have to say that I've never really seen poverty up close that was a bit more cruel, a bit more harsh, as I've seen in various islands in the Philippines. It really is a culture shock. And it, you know, if you're a decent, compassionate person, you can't help but have some sort of a reaction to it. So a lot of people, uh, a lot of expats, once they get settled in and they're married and they have their thing going, or even if they're single and they got their social life going, uh, a lot of people would like to help out. They would like to give back. They would like to share a little bit of what they have on some level with those who are a little bit less fortunate. And that's what I wanted to talk about today. Now, there's essentially five different levels uh, or five different groups of people that you're going to run into who are in need. And we'll start with the first one, which is the street beggars. Uh, pretty much as soon as you come out of the airport, you're probably going to see a street beggar within a minute of landing in the Philippines. 
they're just everywhere. They're anywhere that there's expats, you will find street beggars. I could probably discuss just that for an hour. There's quite a bit to it, but I'll, I'll just kind of put it in a nutshell. There are what I consider three stratas of, of street beggars. The first strata are those who are pretty much making a professional career out of it. They, they have just simply given up on any kind of uh, motivation to work. And granted, work is not, is not easy to find in the Philippines, even if you're a Filipino citizen. There just are not that many jobs out, and there's a huge workforce. But these are people who have just decided that the rest of their life, they will basically support themselves by hanging around airports and malls and anywhere that expats hang out and basically have their hand out and, and just depend on expats to, to put enough money in their hand that they can go get some rice and food for the day. Now, depending on where they're located, some of these people can actually do pretty well. They can actually make more money in a day than somebody who holds down a job. Even though the minimum wage is something like 320 or 340 pesos per day for like an eight-hour shift, a lot of these full-time beggars, depending on where they're located, can make more than that in a day. So there's really no motivation on their part to actually go out and, and work a legitimate job. And as far as whether to give to them or not, again, there's three stratas of uh, street beggars that I see. And this is the, the first strata. I really, I tend, if I'm going to turn down a street beggar, this is the group that I usually turn down. The ones that are every day right outside the McDonald's window, right outside the Jollibee window, right outside the airport, right outside the parks, right outside the malls. Essentially, uh, again, just trying to hit on the heartstrings of expats. Now, if you want to give to them, fine. If you don't want to, fine. Me, I tend to pass those people over. The second strata of street beggars is the people that I, I call able to work. Now, these are people who, it could be a 25-year-old Filipino guy. It could be a 30-year-old uh, Filipino woman. Maybe she has her kids with her. Um, and and they have enough of a stable situation that they could work. Now, again, the, the, the job market in the Philippines is very tough. A lot of the people that you see working at McDonald's, Jollibee's, the malls and such, those are people who only made it through the hiring process because they have a degree. They actually, these are people who went to college to work at McDonald's. Because there's such a huge workforce that labor is really cheap. And so at 300 and some pesos a day, you're talking about less than $7 US dollars per day for a full shift. So whenever a job opens up, literally they have stacks and stacks and stacks of applications. So what they do is they weed out and they say, okay, well, to, to narrow down this pile, we're only going to look at people who have graduated from college because the thinking is, well, if they graduated college, then they're fairly responsible. They're probably not a drug addict. They're probably not got a criminal record. So that's kind of how tough it is to get a job here. Now, there are other jobs that you can get without a degree, for instance, working at the cell phone shop and uh, Unitop and all that. But many of these other places that will hire a person without a college degree, they're only paying about 100 to 200 pesos a day. It's illegal. 
it's it's not meeting the minimum wage, but that's just how it is in the Philippines. A lot of businesses just basically know there's such a demand for a job that if they put out that you're only going to make 100, 110 pesos a day uh, working behind the cash register of, uh, uh, say, for instance, a cell phone a kiosk, they know that even at that low pay, somebody will take that job. Somebody will take it because they're that desperate for a job. There's people, again, in this second strata of street beggars who can't even get those jobs, whether it's because they never finished high school or whatever their reasons are. There are people who, well, let's let's start with the guys. If they were willing to put some effort and go out, for instance, here in Dumaguete, if they head out towards Bayawan, there are jobs out there cutting down sugarcane. It's very hard work. It doesn't pay hardly anything, but it pays something. So it's it's sort of like a whole lot of hard work to make very little. I know that doesn't sound very attractive, but those jobs are out there. And there's jobs to do the harvest for the rice. There's there's different farm jobs. There's, again, you know, jobs they can pick up uh, doing construction and stuff. And these are all jobs that are very labor-intensive and pay very little. We're talking 100 to 200 pesos a day. But when you run into street beggars that, eh, maybe they could, they could feasibly get a job. But, it, it, again, I try to balance it out. And, and when I'm trying to decide if I'm going to give them any change or not, I try to weigh in, well, yeah, they could be working, but at the same time, here's, here's this woman with four kids or three kids. You know, who's going to watch these kids while she's out looking for a job and working a job? I know that it's a tough spot that they're in. So those ones I'm kind of 50-50. I just, I, there's really no criteria. There's no hard line I could really draw. It's just a combination of factors. How much of a hurry am I in? Do I have time to go to the nearest uh, bakery? There's a bakery just about on every corner. You know, if I have time, I'll go to the bakery and I'll, I'll just pick up a big bag of pandasol. You can get like 20 of them for 100 pesos. And, and if you don't want to give them money, you know, give them a bag of pandasol and a couple bottles of water. And I know it's not much, but it's it's something. I mean, when you're starving and you haven't eaten, it, it's better than nothing. You know, if you want to go a little bit beyond that and buy them uh, some barbecue, whatever, I'm sure they would appreciate that. So there's that second level of street beggars, people who uh, maybe they could be working, but, uh, you know, again, they're they're facing some pretty hard situations. And then there's a third level of street beggars who I... I I tend to give them high priority. And these are street beggars who are essentially handicapped or very elderly. Uh, no matter how you slice it, no matter how you cut it, when it comes to the handicapped, a guy with no legs, in fact, there's a guy with no legs that, you know, he roams around different parts of Dumaguete. Um, there's another elderly woman named Tuta. Uh, she she goes up and down the highway and collects plastic bottles. Never asks for money. That woman never asks for money. But because she never asks and she does what little she can, and because she's elderly, if I see her, I'll do a U-turn and I'll go back and talk to her for a little bit and, and give her something. Because no matter how you slice it, she's an elderly woman. She can't be out working in the sugarcane fields. She can't be out taking a yaya job, taking care of babies. You know, she's like 72 years old. 
I mean, really, what do you expect? So I have the highest amount of compassion for street beggars who are handicapped and elderly. Uh, again, going in reverse, the more capable they are to work, um, kind of the less likely I am. That's just my own criteria. You can, again, develop your own criteria. Now, uh, as far as helping people out when you're in a, in a foreign country, when you're in the Philippines, the next group, I mentioned there was five, the next group of, or the next method of helping out people is by giving your part-time assistance to an established charity or church that's already in place. Now, a lot of you don't, you know, you would rather just do that. And, and, and I think it's a pretty good idea. No matter what island you're on, if you go on Facebook or you just ask around um, or even just drive around, you can find a church. There's there's Jehovah Witness churches here. There's Mormon churches here. There's uh, Christian churches here. There's Baptist churches here. And, of course, there's Catholic churches. And you can find a church, um, for instance, here in Dumaguete. There's uh, Pastor Ralph, and he's involved with feeding the kids over at the, the city dump. There's people who live there and kids that go there foraging for food. Well, Pastor Ralph will go out there and he'll he'll take food to them. So if you are not in a position that you're ready to commit to do that sort of thing the way he's doing it on a regular basis, you can go to the church and say, hey, I just want to volunteer a weekend. And that's it. You know, I'll, I'll be here for the whole weekend and I'll, I'll help you hand out food or I'll bring in food or whatever it is you want to do on a limited basis is just give a helping hand to somebody who's already established, somebody that's already kind of embedded themselves into the community with a mission to help people full time. They're doing it full time. Now, again, it's up to you. You may want to donate one day a month. And say, okay, yeah, every third Saturday I'll, I'll go help this guy or I'll, I'll go drop off. It'll take me 10 minutes. I'll go to the grocery store and I'll drop off things that he says he needs to give the kids for food. I, I highly recommend before you buy anything, talk to the person in charge because they know the best what they need. You know, don't assume, oh, well, gee, I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to buy a whole bunch of candy for these kids. And I'm going to, you know, tooth decay may be one of the things that this pastor is probably fighting with these kids. So your intention might be correct. But if you show up with 20 pounds of candy, uh, really, it's, it's kind of, it would have been best to talk to him first. He might say, well, you know, you could have spent less money. Um, really what we need for the kids is dried fish. We need rice. We need water, bottled water. We need, he knows the, the, the people who are in charge of these projects. They know from experience how to best, you know, what, what items are, are most needed. So before you go buying anything, just talk to, find a church that that you're comfortable with kind of check them out a little bit ask them what they do maybe do a ride along and 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 just watch what they do and if you feel you want to be a part of it then like i said one day a month one day a week whatever you feel comfortable with get involved and say okay here's here's what i'm willing to do and just be very clear and say well here's what i'm willing to do if you could use me if if you do construction i know construction i'll i'll donate uh 2 days a month 
and I'll I'll build whatever I'll you know I'll, I'll build a wall I'll build a, a room addition for a school or a, or a orphanage or whatever it is I can build things I know how to do plumbing I know how to do electronics or electric I know how to you know whatever your trade is if you want to volunteer part of that time to an established uh, charity then that's that's another way that you can give locally without the big commitment. You know, without starting your own orphanage or starting your own feeding program, find one that's already in place and then just become a part of it at whatever, whatever level that you feel comfortable with. The next thing, the third uh, sort of uh, way to help out is something that, that I find is very popular among single guys. And man, married guys can do it too, but uh, for single guys, uh, I'll t it's it's what we call the hit and run help, and basically it's as a single guy, you know, I know a lot of single guys that they got a good heart. They want to help. They want to help out poor people. They want to help out, you know, those that they see, but they don't want those people to become dependent on them. They don't want, uh, you know, if it ends up being like, say, for instance, they're dating a girl. And then uh, one of her relatives is just really in need of money, doesn't have food to feed their baby, whatever. You know, it can turn into a dependency because next week that baby's going to need food again, and the week after, and the week after, and the week after. And so if it's somebody you know, then there's a chance that, okay, this could end up becoming a regular thing. Now, if you're okay with that, then great. You know, help out somebody on a regular basis. Do that. But most single guys, they, they kind of like to just keep things simple. And so uh, some of the single guys that I know, they take this, again, the hit-and-run help approach, where basically it's very random, and it's people that you're just never going to see again. Now, you could be riding your bike down the highway, and you see somebody, and for whatever reason, they may not even be a beggar. It, it may just, it could even be just anybody. And you just feel compelled, you know, I got a little bit of time. Geez, there's like four kids just sitting there aimlessly all afternoon. I've seen those four kids there before. They got no food. Uh, you know, and, and, and then it's up to you. You know, personally, I'm not a big fan of just handing people money. I, I've done it, you know, out of convenience because I was in a hurry to get somewhere else. But in this hit-and-run approach... It's like, okay, so you you pop over to Jollibee and you can get these little yum burgers for, I think they're like 20 pesos, 30 pesos. And you can get a bag of them, you know, again, for maybe 100 pesos, you can get five of them. And, and then you just go by where the kids are and you don't need to say anything. You just have all the burgers in a bag. I usually pick the oldest kid and I go, here, this is for you. And you walk away and that's it. No long discussion, no gloating, no no speeches. Just hand them the bag, a couple of bottled waters, get on your bike, and leave. And now you've been able to help these kids. Now at least you know, okay, you know, I, I can't be with I can't be there for them forever. I'm not gonna raise these kids. But at least for this afternoon, they got a full stomach. And I know that doesn't solve the whole world's problems and whatever, but at least it, it gives them something for the moment. And if you've ever been in that sort of situation where you're just hungry, 
and not hungry because you're on a fast, not hungry because you're on a diet, not hungry and you got food in the fridge. I'm talking about hungry and there's nowhere to get any food. If somebody hands you a couple of hamburgers and bottled water, uh, they don't need a big long speech. They don't need anything. They, they just appreciate the fact that, hey, wow, somebody had some compassion on me. Uh, they didn't say anything. They just handed me the bag and took off. But here I am with a bag full of warm hamburgers and some bottled water. That's all that matters, and that's all that should matter. So that hit-and-run approach, it could be even, uh, there's guys who they might, for instance, I, I know a few guys that they dated a girl, and she's looking for a job or whatever, and and they, they dated the girl and realized, okay, one or two dates, and, eh, she's just not their type, whatever, but they liked the girl, and she could use, say, for instance, 600 pesos, which is like $12, $13, to file and get an ID at the post office so that with an ID, at least she could work. That 600 pesos is like a huge monumental uh, milestone for her. She doesn't know where she's going to get 600 pesos. But I know guys who have just sort of felt, you know, uh, compassion for the girl and it's like okay we're never going to date again but you know as they're leaving they'll say well here here's some some travel money you know and 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 that's it and there was no no sex involved no nothing it's not it's not like you know like a pay for play kind of thing it's just purely compassion it's no strings attached you know we had dinner uh, I, I don't you know i'm not going to be your boyfriend but you know here's a little something to you use it how you want to best use it you know or you know that that id that you wanted to get at the post office here use this money for that and then they're gone and they never see that girl again and 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 they just help on a one-time basis and and this way again a lot of single guys do this because if a married guy if a married guy married to a filipina gives any kind of money to a filipina uh believe me it's going to cause problems that his wife is not going to like the idea you know the only way that's going to smooth out is if he gives the money to her and then she gives it to somebody in need uh then you're okay but um anything else is just asking for trouble so it's mostly single guys who can pretty much pick anybody at random in their in their day take 2 minutes out of their day to help somebody out and then you you bolt it's a hit and run you help them and you run you go you leave you don't you don't hang around you don't let it become a dependent thing and anything like that now the fourth way of helping people out is a little bit riskier it is a little bit more involved again you may not want to help complete strangers you may want to help somebody you actually know it could be, again, it could be a girl that you dated it, that you're not even together with. You're not even, she's got no new boyfriend. Um, you're not together anymore. You're just not a couple anymore. But you still like this girl and you hear from her once in a while. You may decide, well, you know, she's basically a good a good woman. She's trying. She's she's putting the effort. She just doesn't have the money to to get whatever done. Maybe she needs a new pair of shoes to apply for a job that requires a decent pair of shoes. I mean, I've, I've known girls that that's the only thing that was holding them back from applying for a job is they couldn't afford the shoes and T-shirt and shirt that they needed to buy to take the job. And because these places don't supply uniforms. And so guys may help out 
an ex-girlfriend. They may help out an ex-girlfriend's relative. You know, they. It doesn't matter really who it is. They may say to themselves, you know, uh, I know this person well enough. Uh, I believe in what they're doing. I want to see them succeed. I want to give them a helping hand. I'm not here to support them. And that's the important thing that has to be kept in mind is guys who say, you know, I'm not here to support them uh, and pay all their way through life, but I am willing to give them a helping hand. If the only thing keeping them from getting a job is they need to get a postal ID, I'll help them get that. If the only thing keeping them from saving money is they don't have a bank account, help them get a bank account. And and you have to let them know, hey, you know, I'm I'm I can't do this on a regular basis, but right now I'll help you with this particular task that you're trying to get through. And it can be anything, and it could be you help them out for two months. It could be you help them out for six months. You know, and at some point you just say, hey, I'm changing islands. Uh, I got other things to do, and you know, I hope things work out well for you. Whatever. But the, the only risky part here is the dependency. They may grow dependent on you. And we're not talking about scammers. I want to make that really clear. We're not talking about falling for some scam and giving somebody money. I'm talking about somebody that you actually know on a personal level, somebody you care about, that you just want to help them succeed. You want That's the charity, that's the good you want to do. Instead of giving it to a complete stranger, you choose to give your your charity to somebody you know and care about. And you know that they're just not going to squander that money on liquor or booze or drugs or whatever. You know that these are decent, good people who are just facing a real hard financial time. Now, the uh, fifth uh, group uh, or method of charity is the least recommended, in my personal opinion, and this is online fund me charity type websites they've become a whole new fad in the last 10 years where basically anybody can go to a fund me type website put up a little story about their bad situation and say well here's the target amount i need to fix my problem and you will be amazed if you go to those sites and you start flipping through them and you can search and you can do all these things if you type in like say Philippines you will find guys who have set up these accounts and they're basically a lot of the storyline uh, again whether it's true or not I have no idea but even still is the storyline is basically a guy saying I went to the Philippines I don't make much money can't afford to go back. I fell in love and I want to marry this girl, but I don't have any money. And if you guys could just send me money, I could see my sweetheart again and we could be together. We could get married and she can come to the United States. Well, here's the whole problem I see with this. If he doesn't have the money to fly back and forth and pay for the K-1 visa and all that, he probably doesn't make enough money to even support her in his country. And if he can't afford or isn't in the position to move to the Philippines and live here, really, all you have is a heartbreak story. Bottom line, this guy doesn't make enough money to make his dream come true. Uh, you know, that's, that's the reality of it, is, yeah, okay, so he fell in love. But he put himself in a situation where now he's in love with a woman that he can't be with because he doesn't have the finances for it. And... And honestly, there's really um, going to be no end to this situation unless he 
he invests in himself and, and somehow finds a way to start a business or make some money, his situation's not going to change. So he's going to continually need more money. Again, you know, we'd all like to have a bunch of strangers paying our way through life, but I just have a real problem with trusting these websites. Now, there are people with legitimate issues, people that come down with cancer, people that are elderly, that, that just, you know, whatever, their, their Social Security just isn't enough, whatever. There are genuine people on these sites, and the sad thing is that it's kind of become like the dating sites. You have a, a small minority of people who genuinely do need help in these FundMe account things. The problem is it's been now littered and polluted with all these people who have these flimsy stories at best where essentially it's even if they're not lying the the fact of the matter is they really should not be asking for this money on the basis that they just don't have their act together so uh, that's why I put when it comes to charity these fund me type online accounts I put these at a very low uh, rung on the ladder down at the bottom of the totem pole only because you have to practically know the person know their situation in order to trust okay I I trust this person and I want to help them out but if it's complete strangers and you can't verify that this guy even went to the Philippines or that he even you know none of this really it's a shot in the dark you're just kind of tossing money in the wind and hoping it, it's doing some good. And, and it's not just some guy funding his next vacation to the Philippines on your dollar. So um, so those are the five different things. The street beggars, you can give to them as random. You can get involved with an established church, help them out on, on a basis that you feel comfortable with. There's the hit and run approach, just help people, bail, you know, just do your good deed for the day. There's helping individuals that you know, and then at the very bottom end of things, there's, again, these, these FundMe type accounts. So I hope that gives you a little bit of a framework to work with, uh, some direction. When it comes to giving and how much you want to give, or even if you want to give, that's all your own personal choice. That's all your decision, whether you want to help anybody or not. Again, nobody owes anybody anything, but if you do choose to give your time, your skills, or your money to other people to help them out. And, and, and like Tuta, the, the really old lady, I mean, yeah, I give her a little bit of money, but really what I want to do is just talk to her a little bit and, and let her know, hey, you're not invisible. You're, you're, you're here. I, you know, there's someone in this planet that acknowledges your existence. Because she roams the streets just covered in rags. I mean, nobody pays attention to her. And she's the sweetest woman, sweetest old lady. So what you give may not even be money. It may just be some of your time, your compassion, your care, your conversation, your friendship. It, it, whatever it is you want to give, the only, the only recommendation I can say is give responsibly. You know, evaluate who you want to give to, evaluate what your limits are, and then just stick to the plan and, and, and do it in such a way that you're cheerful with it, you're okay with it, you're not going to be griping next month, oh man, I gave too much money to these street beggars and now I need, you know, I'm short on budget, whatever. You know, don't don't give to the point where you're going to feel ungrateful about it. Just, just do what you're going to do with a good heart 
and don't make a big thing out of it. Just do it and move on to the next thing. Because it will be important to the person you gave to, and you know who knows just how that all works out. But but the important thing is that those people are held. The important thing is not that you're feeding your ego or or what you get out of it. That's just not the point. All right. So love to hear your comments about it here at the bottom of the page, and we'll talk about something else next week. See you then. Bye bye.